Welcome one and all to In Taberna, a podcast for contrasting stories of horrific tragedy and dubious allegation. Thank you for visiting us again, or if it's your first time here, we hope it's the first of many more to come. A note before the broadcast proper. On the Anchor.fm mobile website, one may copy the RSS feed or on the desktop site, the URL link, for your favorite podcasting software. I recommend Antennapod on mobile and Gpodder on desktop. These methods, in addition to convenience, gives you the chance to download so you can have Intaberna with you even in the midst of the coming post-collapse Trad Catholic Militia Faction Wars. Now, on to our conversation. This is episode two. We hope you guys have had a good couple weeks. With me today is Classical Theist. Hello, CT. Hello, how's it going? Uh, good. We, uh, we took a little bit of a break from the podcast due to mm-hmm. personal IRL matters, but it's, uh, it's just us today. Mm-hmm. And Indeed it is. What are, you talk- what are we talking about today, CT? Uh, well, during the time, during our sort of brief uh, hiatus from uh, the show, we, we had already planned on discussing uh, Cardinal Pell's acquittal. Um, and in light of the, uh, in light of the, uh, the recent church militant uh, quote-unquote expose against the SSPX, I, I think that provides a good opportunity to just discuss the sex abuse crisis in light of these two um, episodes here. It's kind of an unfortunate thing that if you're a a Catholic living any kind of uh, life that's outside of a attic or a basement, eventually you're going to have to talk about this. Absolutely. In in yeah. some way. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I remember, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but I remember, you know, being in middle school in the late Bush administration and um, just on Comedy Central, just all of the pedophile priest jokes and so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it seems like since the early 2000s, that um while obviously the the public contempt towards this thing has always been there the outrage about it has kind of subsided up until um you know t- 2017 and specifically the McCarrick bombshell yeah it's do you know who Brian Holdsworth is no, no. He, uh, I think he does stuff for you, Catholic. But I remember he made a video a while ago. I mean, basically around the time, and it was like he had very good normie content. Um, I mean, decent videos and stuff. But just, it just you could tell from his video that this just like devastated him, and he was just really, really upset just about everything. And you could see that it was just really raw, but. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, it, it was really, it wasn't so much any, um, theological scandal that sort of caused a lot of the, um, 
normie Catholic conservative outrage against Pope Francis. It really was the sex abuse scandal that, that instigated it. I mean, it's the sex abuse scandal that uh, actually led, you know, Voris and company to start um, publicly critiquing Pope Francis. Up until then, they had like a strict policy not to do any of that. So it really was a, a, a turning point in, and will remain a turning point in, in, in church history, especially given the the high the high uh, ranking status of McCarrick um, and and of course that that segues into perhaps what we could call the uh, the antithesis to this right which, which would be Cardinal Pell yep um, yep I mean it's kind of I mean I guess when we were pre- prepping for this we kind of decided that <clears throat> This would we we were hopefully will succeed, but I mean, what our goals here are is to kind of um, I don't want to you know be acting like that feel when so intelligent, but to promote critical thinking about these things, um, you know, as always to kind of promote just a more sober, less hysterical, you know, you don't have to put on your you know golden white Catholic tribal war paint, you know, or put up your favorite catholic content or you know ecclesiastical subculture banner and go to the defense um these things have kind of got to be um all talked about in uh in their context and so to that end uh mm-hmm. we might as well just jump in i mean so cardinal um uh, mr mccarrick now uh because he has been defrocked yes um he is a interesting guy because what we're gonna be talking about is um we're gonna do a little bit of speculation about uh pell and uh the allegations against him that have been he's been acquitted of by the australian high court basically their really top high court um but um we were talking about this earlier before the show but about all of the weird financial connections but mccarrick is actually part of all that through the papal foundation um, but before yes. before we get into that, we can just kind of go over um, Cardinal Pell then, because we both read uh, the Dictator Pope about Cardinal Pell. But in addition, the the first thing I would want to start out with actually is the um, what was his name? Tony Abbott? No, not Tony Abbott. You know who I'm talking about? The Sky News. Um, oh yes, the, the the Sky News reporter. I'm I'm blanking on his name, but but he he. Um... In Australia, Andrew Bolt. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He 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 was kind of the reporter that actually gave Pell a fair shake, as opposed to um, the the more prominent Australian uh, news network. What's uh what's what's interesting? The, the ABC, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Australian Broadcasting. What's in, uh, worth um pointing out here is that it is Sky News, which is owned by Ur- Rupert Murdoch. So it is so Sky News in uh the uh anglos the broader anglosphere outside of america sky news is basically fox news for the rest of the world but i mean andrew bolt did kind of you know abandon pell once or twice i remember um but, yes point for now he's he's not even a christian yeah he's he's basically he reminds me a lot of but he doesn't have a theological uh ideology here he doesn't have a theological axe to grind um yeah, he reminds me a lot of of you know people that know their um, 
19th century stuff. He reminds me of, like, or more uh, of Matthew Arnold, who was kind of one of those ordo liberals, you know, where it's like, oh, ordered liberty, where it's like, you know, uh, (laughs) beauty and culture, you know, kind of like beauty and culture can save us, you know, and religion is good insofar as it helps promote culture. Almost kind of like if you took, um, what's that guy? Yeah. Almost if you took Roger Scruton and and took out like the, the, the Christian thing out of him. Mm -hmm. Uh, or, or a more recent example would be, uh, uh, Theodore Darrymple. Uh, I don't know if you read any of his stuff, but just, uh, that kind of ordo liberal, um, milieu as the French would say, and as pretentious Twitter users that, uh, use lemurs as their power profiles would say um so uh what what have you what so why don't you i'll let you go ahead and do this then is uh you you were telling me you were the one that showed me the and transparency i don't really like george weigel very much i kind of think he's ridiculous but he had a good article in the new york post about from 2018 when cardinal pell was convicted that very briefly went over how ridiculous this conviction was which has recently been overturned and we're going to get there yeah yeah it it has absolutely been overturned i mean the first thing to point out is that um as distinct from cardinal mccarrick which has you know corroboration there's there's clear evidence of a relationship between uh the victim and the abuser you know there's there's pictures there's, there's there's just clear concrete evidence there and cardinal mccarrick's uh uh, statement of innocence is just uh vague by itself you know he uses the phrase i have no recollection of these events you know (laughs) (laughs) so whereas with cardinal pell he has consistently maintained his innocence and um there is no evidence of a relationship between uh the victim and uh and 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 him and and in fact in uh I believe it was in 2017, um, the Australian uh, police um, took their rounds and uh, sort of checked on the um, uh, cathedral where the alleged abuse um took place as a more uh, procedural matter of, of protocol and there was no mention of abuse at this time there there was no allegation of any kind uh, right this, this, this would have been uh, saint patrick's cathedral in melbourne yes yes this didn't come up uh, come up until much later and um uh so just with, with within the story itself it it, it doesn't there's no um there's there's not a really a shred of evidence be, be, for a, any kind of relation between uh, Pell and uh, uh, the, the abuser, mm-hmm. or rather Pell and the victim. Yeah, it's 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 unlike with James Grine, um, McCarrick's uh, victim, um, uh, the survivor of McCarrick. I think is like a, that's that's their preferred language, I guess. Um, I've told you this before where 
if you remember like certain it's not only that there's concrete evidence it's also that just as a piece of like and obviously i'm not a lawyer or a detective i once worked for a private security company that and i guarded like a wrecking yard once but i'm no professional at this at all but from my you know layman's point of view just which would which is actually kind of still weighty because i could be on a jury right um Grine as just a witness to these uh, let these crimes, which did happen, it was proven with McCarrick, is much more um, credible than uh, the anonymous, you know, uh, uh, person A. I think they presume they call him A, who accused Cardinal Pell. Um, you know, Grine remembered specific details about the day, about you know. Um, just like, you know, the feeling in the room and stuff like that, you know, there was a certain, um, you know, it's like if a woman gets beaten by her husband, right. And she remembers being like, (laughs) and for those of you, those of you will know what I'm talking about. Let's see if you catch this audience. Um, if a woman is like being pulled by her hair down the stairs, you know, by her, uh, (laughs) and remember and remember and remembers like the porcelain figurines on the wall and stuff and i mean that's not enough necessarily uh that might not be enough to convict someone of, of of abuse of any kind but details like that leads to a credible you know witness and a credible witness to those events that could persuade a jury and so between james grine with mccarrick and so-called um, witness A with Pell. There's no comparison. It's night and day. Yeah, and, and Pell has an alibi. Like he he can verifiably, uh, as far as I know, uh, credibly say that that he he was not um, at at the location in in the sacristy at the time of the alleged abuse. And then there's the the matter of his. Um... His vestments, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, the how the <clears throat> how the witness A alleged that um, Cardinal uh, Pell parted his vestments so that he could perform fellatio on him. When you know anyone that has actually been to mass or spent time around Catholic priests or been to a sacristy. Um, you can't part any. You can't part the chasuble, and you can't part the alb. <laughs> no, you you would have to lift it up. Um, yeah, and the, so so that that by itself just just does not uh, make sense because he would not have been vested. Yeah, and and so something I wanted to kind of talk about just very briefly, or just make our audience to aware of, which will <coughs> couldn't hold that one back, uh, which will be in the show notes. Is uh, there is this uh, Australian conservative magazine called the Quadrant, uh, which is another you know like Andrew Bolt is kind of an ordo liberal um, publication, right? Um, but it's still good, you know. It's the best that the Anglosphere can do a lot of the times. It's the best that America can do most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this uh, this piece was actually um, so the quadrant they do a bunch of literary culture you know conservative stuff, but this piece was written by uh, Keith Winshuttle who is the editor in chief of the quadrant, 
uh, and it was published uh, last year in 2019, April 8th, 2019, and it's titled The Borrowed Testimony That Convicted George Pell. And in this article, he noticed that there was an article written in Rolling Stone, uh, published on September 15th, 2011, uh, by uh, Sabrina Rubin-Erdley, uh, titled The Catholic Church's Secret Sex Crime Files, which talks about a quote-unquote Billy Doe uh, that um, uh, alleged that, car, uh, that, that one uh, Reverend Father Charles Engelhart um abused him and what's this priest he died in prison but later this uh testimony was found to be completely uh unreliable uh that this was that this was not true in any way whatsoever um and that this was just completely discredited but what's interesting is um uh so in 2016 uh, Newsweek devoted a 500-word feature article by Ralph uh, Cipriano uh, about the scandal, and it was, um, I'll just quote directly, this was partly designed to, ex ex uh, to expose the activist journalist of Rolling Stone, author Sabrina Rubin Erdley, in the wake of her equally notorious story about the University of Virginia student who claimed in 2014 that she was gang-raped by seven men at a college party. Uh, but it basically just, that... This person, whose name was Gallagher, he was confiscate, confi Mr. Gallagher, who turned out to be Billy Doe. Um, he got $500 million from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, but again, more and more, it was uh, just turned out to be false. And what's interesting here is the commonalities in both is both cases of sexual abuse secured in the sacristy after Sunday Mass, which... Mm -hmm. In any um, Catholic church that at least has like two thirds of attendance on Sunday, that's sacristies are never like empty. First of all, no, especially like not right after mass. Before or after, yeah, before and after mass, it it, it, it there's like people walking all over the church before and after mass. Uh, within the sacristy itself, you have you know uh, you have lectors maybe the music director right. steps in i mean it, it it's I'll, I'll people are expected to, yeah. to crowd the to, to walk in uh, the sacristy especially before and after mass so the idea that there would be enough time and isolation for an abuse to take place right then and there just just seems incredibly dubious right and so another commonality is that in the rolling stone piece by gallagher aka billy doe uh, in both cases, the victims were drinking heavy wine, uh, which that's just like, come on. That's like a journalist's pedo priest abuse fan fiction. Yeah, yeah these are very, these are very like common tropes. They're tropes at this point. Yeah, both boys assisted in mass. Oh, an altar boy. That's another trope. The priest fondled both boys' genitals. Both boys were made to kneel before the priest and were made to perform fellatio again with the chasuble and the alb, you know, the way that the description was from both of these cases, the 2011 and uh, Witness A's allegation against Pell. Oh, I, he parted his vestments. You can't part an alb and a chasuble. Um, both the alleged women were the only witnesses who testified for the prosecution. Um, so whereas in America, this guy uh, 
G- Daniel Gallagher was his name, um, managed to get away with this. And it was not until this in 2011. It wasn't until 2016 in a 5,000 world article by this Mr. This journalist Cipriano was it revealed that this was all bullshit and that this poor priest, you know, Father Engelhart, whether he was guilty of any other crime, who knows, but for this crime, he died in jail because of Daniel Gallagher's lie. And point for point, it is eerily similar to the Pell accusation. Yes. And, you know... um, the other part that they talked about, and that there were commonalities in, uh, you know, Louis La, Louis Milligan, I think, who was a, yeah. you know, who was you know, basically the the primary secular inquisitor for Pell and public, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it just go ahead contrast this really quick against like the McCarrick case, where in the McCarrick case you you have like this this doesn't doesn't follow those. <laughs> general tropes about like oh i was in the sacristy altar serving and 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 he and he did you know x y and z like there's first of all there's like i said there's evidence of relationship uh he uh, develops a long-term uh relationship right and he manipulates that long-term relationship to invite him over for um, you know, uh, you know, so, so social for sleep for for for, like for, for sleepovers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Literally sleepovers and, and things like that. So, so just circumstantially, the cases are mm-hmm. um, night and day, especially in terms of uh, evidential support. Yeah, and it it's. It's one of those things where it's not a matter of, oh, conservative, cardinal, good, liberal, cardinal, bad. Um, it's just a matter of looking at the data, as always. Um, you know, in the... Uh, yeah, yeah. The facts of the cases themselves speak to the divergence. It, it's, it has it, nothing to do with the fact that, you know... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, an example of like what the most one of the most notorious cases of um, a conservative priest, you know, committing a so-called conservative or traditional priest committing abuse, um, and I forget his name, but it would be required to um, connect the, the the case connected to a person who was a chaplain at Saint Gregory's Academy in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and the Society of Saint John. Um, I mean, people can look into that to know about, you know, what a bad, you know, um, conservative predator looks like. Because the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that these people, predatory people, they're not, they'll, it, whatever way they swing for whatever psychological reason, ideologically, they, they'll use whatever angle they will to get their victims. Right. To prey on people. Um, this is a case of, you know, the worst person you know just made a great point, but that's something that, you know, Ross do thought Ross, not Ross, do, but uh, what's that idiot's name? Um, he wrote a book about Dante, but he apostatized, became Eastern Orthodox. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah. I just get all these conservative journalists 
confused because they're <laughs> basically the same person. Um, the only one of them that I kind of like is Michael Brendan Doherty. Um, but Rod Dreher wrote about this in the American Conservative last year about Lincoln, Nebraska, which is mm-hmm. where, you know, the our uh, Guadalupe Seminary is. And I don't know about any scandal there, but Lincoln has that reputation of being a very good um, diocese. I mean, if you look at their the University of Nebraska and Lincoln's Newman Center, it's it's gorgeous. It's it's a. One amazing looking church, but they have huge problems in that diocese. They had a huge problem with, they weren't unscathed by the, because it's like you had the the long Lent of 2002, the original Boston Globe expose, which isn't perfect, but we don't have the time to talk about that here. But that was the first scrutiny. And then McCarrick Mm -hmm. kind of ushered in a second wave of scrutiny on sex abuse. And that led to just kind of the stuff about Lincoln, Nebraska being talked about. And Rod, Rod Dreher, uh did uh, some decent writing on that in the American Conservative. Uh, and I uh, would always recommend browsing that site with an archive link. Do not give them money. Um, <laughs> but um, it's so it, anyway, the, the end, end sentence is. It's not a matter of ideology. It's a matter of just looking at the facts, especially. And it's, I would even say that if you have a situation with this in your own life, you should especially look at the facts and put away your personal biases. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, and then we can kind of let's circle back because the uh, the Andrew Bolt interview Admiral George. itself, I thought, was pretty, uh, pretty neat and interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it. With Cardinal Pell, he's also a special case because uh, while this is most certainly um, largely speculative, uh, his background is most certainly relevant uh, because whenever you're looking at high-ranking officials in any institution... You should always ask the question, who benefits? Exactly. And, you know, what was Cardinal Pell's... Uh, position as a high-ranking cardinal. Well, uh, when Pope Francis um, became elected, he he did sort of signal. Now, I, uh, we should only use the word uh, "signal" here <laughs> because he didn't really follow through much at all. In fact, it there's evidence that that he he kind of did the opposite. Um, but he did signal an intention to. Uh, reform the Vatican's finances, right? Um, so Cardinal Pell uh, became uh, positioned to more or less uh, lead this charge. Now, as 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 you can expect, uh, any and any anyone who tries to lead a charge for financial transparency. Um, is going to make some enemies, right? Right. And he did make enemies, and and, and specifically, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, so the the position that Pell had was um, a newly created position, and obviously, so this this gets into some nuances. Like, well, how is Pope Francis not following up on reform when he created this position? We'll get there. But Pell's position was he was the Secretariat of Economy, which was a position that I believe Francis created himself. Um, and it was a position that was made to essentially 
because the Vatican has multiple financial institutions that are kind of redundant, right? And for different mm-hmm. things, for property, for bank accounts, for, you know, this and that. Um, and so what was created was the Secretariat for Economy, which was made to basically be the exclusive. The buck stops here before the Pope when it comes to anything to do with anything financial relating to the Catholic Church. And what was significant about the creation of this position is it put um, Pell on equal footing with Cardinal Perelin, who was the then Secretary of State, which is basically the, um, you know, if the Pope is the president or the king of the Catholic Church, I mean, he's not theologically, but bear with me, mm-hmm. uh, then the Secretariat of State is the Prime Minister. Yes. He pretty much deals primarily in the day-to-day like political infrastructure of Vatican City. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were saying Perlin was one of uh, Pell's opponents to these reforms as the, the records kind of shown. Yes, yes. And, and um, another one of Pell's enemies, which was, I, I think, resisted him even more strongly, uh, that Perlin was uh, the president of the APSA. Um, and that stands for the uh, Administration of the Patrimony of the Apostolic See, uh, which is basically a, a parallel Vatican bank, which should send up yeah, red Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what it became to be, sort of like under the radar. It it, it obviously wasn't meant to be that, but it it ultimately just sort of ended up being like, a shadow bank mm-hmm. that would not be subject to the kinds of uh, calls for transparency and audits that Pell was was vigorously uh, demanding. Um, Very easy. And note that that cardinal uh, and then the cardinal's name, by the way, is uh, Dominicio uh, Calcongo, and he himself was actually under investigation for real estate corruption. So, I mean, it's important to like recognize that his his enemies were very much. Uh, interested in maintaining the status quo of Vatican finances, and and, and Pope Francis he really didn't uh, reprimand this guy, even though Pell was like publicly demanding for Calcongo uh, to be uh, to, to, for calling for his resignation essentially, uh, but the Pope didn't really follow through on that. Right, because. Uh, uh, Cardinal Calco- uh, hard to pronounce uh, Italian name, but uh, Calcagno, um, I think C A L C A G N O. Um, he uh, was the head of the. Um, what's the what's the abbreviation in Italian again? Uh, the the APSA of the APSA. Um, yeah. Now. With him around, the thing about the APSA is that it was a very popular for um, these kind of Mercedes driving, you know, prelates and, you know, Vatican bureaucrats to use it as basically a pipeline to the Swiss bank account. Yes. And the the, the most um, famous one who I think he ended up going to jail uh, was uh, Monsignor uh, Scarano, and Scarano, they called him Monsignor 500 because his wallet was filled with nothing but 500 um, euro notes. 
He didn't keep anything smaller than that in his wallet. Um, but he smuggled 22 million euros from Switzerland through uh, the um, uh, the administration of the patrimony of the Apostolic See of the APSA. Right? A- APSA? Yeah. Um, and yeah. he was caught, uh, but uh, through Pell's investigations as the Secretariat for the Economy, he discovered um, that there was nine... 136 million euros uh, that were not on the balance sheets of any of the Vatican's financial institutions unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward a couple years and you have these like incredibly and, and transparently uh, astroturfed and and it you know internally incoherent and ridiculous allegations that are uh, pursued by uh, obviously biased actors with within the the ranks of uh, Australian law enforcement. I mean, while this is speculative, you can certainly understand that when when you're when you're in a position of like being a watchdog for an already incredibly corrupt financial body mm-hmm. clearly see that there that, that that there's certainly a motive here yeah and henry sire who's kind of written the best book about the court politics of the francis papacy uh the dictator popes the book yeah. um talks about that it's very clear that francis was not serious about reform right yeah yeah uh, he signaled it but uh he, he didn't do anything to sideline these these bad actors that were known as being financially corrupt uh yeah there, there, there was no action taken um whereas we all know what happened with 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 cardinal pell later on so so i mean it's just and what would end up happening was that when he was a when he was languishing in prison his term as which i i believe it was four or five years that they were having this position of secretary for econ it the clock ran out on him because he was in prison right and and, you know even after he's been acquitted all right even after Pell's acquittal, you know that he's not going to be reinstated in any kind of like high-ranking Vatican position. He's just been completely and utterly neutralized. Yeah, and uh, if, if if you look, and at, who stands to benefit from that? Obviously, the the cardinals that we've been talking about. Yeah, the, the uh, as Sire calls them, the the Curiaist faction. You know, the 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 entrenched yeah. court, basically the Vatican deep state. Um, yeah, 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 and. If you look at the current membership of the Secretariat for the Economy, it's all people like Cardinal Marx, you know, Daniel DiNardo, Wilfred Napier, uh, all of these people that are basically indebted to Francis that would be very easy for him to control. Yes, yes. And, and again, contrasted against Cardinal McCarrick, Cardinal McCarrick was, was in uh, the den of that cabal. Yeah, the with the keys to the to the kingdom of the papal foundation, which was m- multi millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think that there's a. Uh, I won't say his name lest I in- get his wrath, but a certain very intelligent uh, Twitter user with a gorilla for an avi, 
um, has often cautioned people privately that you shouldn't necessarily conflate there being, you know, satanic suspicions, um, sex abuse, and financial scandal being all together that they all necessarily lead together. Mm -hmm. But the thing with McCarrick that's interesting is that at least two of the three do overlap where there's yeah. the and now obviously but that said you shouldn't assume that this is every single time when you're looking at you know vaticanist uh you know news stuff yeah and and, and this just ultimately ties into uh sort of the main point that we're making and we'll segue nicely into uh the discussion about the the SSPX expose, which is that you really have to look at these cases as concrete cases, not 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 through the lens of um, ideological battles. Because even with respect to these uh, uh this financial connections, like this has to do with uh, financial corruption. It doesn't have to do with the fact that that Pell was like outspoken against I don't know. Uh, homosexuality i mean obviously we, we can make connections in the sense that if someone is a faithful catholic would he then be more or less likely to want to clean out the church right uh you can do that but it's by no means uh a guarantor right it's it's not a, it's not a if this then that sort of thing mm-hmm but um, what did you think of before we move on? What did you we, we I remember we talked a couple days ago about uh, the Andrew Bolt interview and just some thoughts on what what did you think of that? What did you think of Pell's disposition and everything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you can tell he's been through a lot. Um, he's aged a lot. He has aged considerably, which is which is understandable. I mean, you can't really take care of yourself at a at a high level when 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 you're you know in, in prison, prison. E even though those those prisons aren't nearly as as, as bad as uh, american prisons nonetheless nonetheless yeah uh, no i mean he seemed um he, he he did ultimately though he seemed content he didn't seem vindictive or or anything like that even though he had, he would obviously have every right to be vindictive i, I think he's ultimately a a good witness as somebody who's uh, who who has underwent a grave injustice against him it was interesting because it was almost like andrew bolt for his own you know satisfaction as basic as being a part of this saga kind of wanted it seemed like there were parts in the interview where he wanted pell to get angry not yeah he was sort of trying to uh not for the cameras but almost for like a kind of catharsis well, I think I think he he wanted a, a a reaction to to the indignation he was feeling. You know, he he wanted an, a, a reaction that was commensurate with with the level of personal indignation he had. Which which, uh, while I'm sure Cardinal Pell certainly feels it, he he he's. I I think what's likely is that this has been a very. Uh, purgative experience for him spiritually and i i think that 
he's had the time to sort of digest those um uh feelings of intense uh, uh anger and he's kind of integrating them within a more productive uh disposition and, and there's there's um someone on twitter you know i who was an aussie i asked them about um you know uh pell and about because he said though i think pell's skeevy and i asked him one he talked about the uh uh, monsignor john day and about how supposedly pell was in complicit in cover-up in that but um reading the dictator pope who and the thing about henry cyrus he's very it's very interesting to read his assessments of people because if you do the research yourself it, it seems like sire is never far off the mark in his you know mm-hmm. judgments of people's characters and temperament but um at the time it people go ahead it's kind of funny because he even he even goes on if we're talking about his reading of people like he even goes on to say like well the reason that um pell was so forthright and uh, serious about chasing after these alleg- uh, after this Vatican corruption, and the reason why the other cardinals were, you know, being two faced about it is because uh, Cardinal Pell is an Anglo-Saxon, and they're Italians. <laughs> where he did, where Pell didn't actually understand stand how the papal curia actually works. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean. Gotta be forthright. He is an Anglo himself. Yeah, so. uh, that's and I mean that's something that even that has to be upfront. That's something that Vaticanistas, you know, Italian Vatican journalists. That's what they always they laugh at. They always go Anglo Saxoni, <laughs> and they laugh because you know American <laughs> journalists and you know Anglo Saxon journalists they're just so naive. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the, the only exception is probably Edward Penton, but that's probably because he comes you know out of the school of hard knocks. With regards yeah. to that, but we, we could talk about Edward Penton another day, who is probably one of the best English journalists in you know Catholic subjects. No, he's he's wonderful. Yeah, um, very good at keeping his positions on the sly too. What he actually believes, he's a real reporter. But um, yeah, I I think that uh, Pell isn't really guilty of anything. If he's ever been guilty of anything, it would be just um, assuming too much. Of people assuming the best of people where it wasn't warranted in a time when, you know, prelates were not so wise to this, you know. Um, uh, but yes, I mean, we, sh- we should recognize that, like, in terms of the Vatican's procedure for dealing with sexual sexual abuse, it, it did go under like radical transformation and change in, in like two thousand and two. Mm-hmm after after the issue with um you know whether or not pell was was too complicit or, or not not forthright enough um yeah i think that that's it's kind of the, but um uh, as always we will have the links in our show notes but uh i think that's a good segue because you were saying earlier this goes into the recent and i almost didn't want to talk about this today man i it's the the there's another sspx church militant flare-up Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, um, why don't you? Because you've kind of done a lot more of the of the research on that end. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give it to you right now, and I'll you know kind of add my own two cents. But uh, what's uh, what's going on here, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's there's another yet another uh, 
SSPX flare-up controversy. Um, it should be recognized. Okay, I just want to say, like, right up front, we are going to be we're, we're going to try to be you know as nuanced as we possibly can on this. Um, and it's it's you know it's not going to be pleasing for SSPX fans, but it's also not going to be pleasing for their you know detractors, right? Um, we should recognize, like right up front, that Michael Boris and Church Militant is, by all accounts, clearly going after the SSPX for you know ideological motives, and and we 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 know this, I think, because they released this. Shortly after the theological debate kind of flared up again, you know, with, right, with, with the, the with feud between Marshall and Gordon and their mutual blocking of each other and everything like that. Um, and then Michael Voris and his empire, <laughs> his, his, his Catholic media empire comes out and releases this, um, this expose. So we have to recognize that. Uh, Voris is coming at this from an ideological angle. I don't see how you could uh, spin this in any other way. Um, now, that being said, you know we should look into what these cases are because it, it's not like they're just uh-huh. pulling these out of a hat. Uh, they're not. They're not. They're not just making things up. Uh, these come from. Uh, cases that have been reported on by actual you know uh, news outlets and have had um actual you know, court cases and convictions and things like that so there's there's legitimacy to it but there's also a profound ideological slant and bias that that, that has to be there has to be a proper separation between the two so you can look at this soberly because while i'm recognizing the ideological bias on Voris's side, there is a clear ideological bias on the side of those in favor of the society, you know. Uh, yeah, the, the, the thing that's that's worth pointing out before we go on is that some of these allegations are, and we won't reveal our source, but we've talked to someone who has worked, um, you know, who is a pretty uh, even-handed guy who knows the situation and has given us some clarifications which we'll talk about mm-hmm. um but it's worth noting also that uh, matt gaspers of catholic family news uh which was associated with the late great john venari uh and uh, father gruner uh both great guys but as with all catholic content people except ourselves of course uh flawed uh uh but uh he covered you know uh this was actually uh I think revoked by church militant uh, and highly changed at the very least. Well, the link is still live, but he covered this um, this um, matter of Father McLucas and about how church militant kind of had very sloppy, obviously biased kind of yellow journalistic hatchet job reporting on it. So that that's uh, yeah, that's something um, I'll link in the show notes. I mean, we're not going to talk about that too much, but that's just kind of something for people to be aware. I'll put it in the the paste bin links for for people to read. But it's something to be aware that Voris has been called on um, 
messy, sloppy, possibly biased reporting before. Yeah, and and here's like the thing about it is within their expose, I think they're it, they're prominent cases. Would you say the title of it really quick? Oh, um, yeah, I, I have it right here. <laughs> you, you can edit out the uh, the pause here. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's called um. Okay, wait. Hang on. So the uh, the expose is titled um, "Spotlight SSPX Sympathetic to Perverts." Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so obviously, for right out of the gate, we have this you know uh, sensationalist. Uh, uh, you know, they're 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 trying to be this this um, this hard hitting uh, like expose. Uh, journalists you know it, it, it's it's kind of like almost as sensational as the you know democracy dies in darkness kind of kind of see <laughs> <laughs> themselves but except applied to church politics oh boy but um that that aside okay so so let's look at some of these um let's look at some of these characters here uh you have the case of uh father duverjay um and you know i'm, I'm not going to go in like immense uh, detail about about the uh, about like some of the background of these cases because because we, we, we kind of want to hit the main points mm-hmm. um and and he is alleged to have uh engaged in you know sexually manipulative behavior against you know a woman named you know jassy yeah, Jesse Jackass. Um, yeah, and uh, so like he, he he's alleged to have educed from her radically unnecessary like details about her sexual life under the guise of being like a spiritual director or a confessor, and then ultimately elicited uh, uh, a sexual acts over skype uh right F- basically yeah phone sex um, basically is what the allegation is yeah yeah so now right out the gate it's important to recognize that from the source that we have uh there's a basis of of, of, of truth in in the sense that uh duverjay is known to be like a, a an absurdly invasive um confessor right like he, he I've, I've just heard stories that that he would even and not only invasive but also just insane like uh i heard you know an anecdote that he would uh as penance i guess or just advice if he thought or you needed as spiritual it. direction advice would, would like if you're suffering from what we would consider even you know to be like a a gravely uh, sinful pattern of behavior, but not not on the level of uh, like grave criminality or something like that. You know, just just a grave moral fault. You would have them, you know, say, okay, what you need to do is you need to go to uh, Africa and be a missionary there or something like that, or or sell your possessions and <laughs> go uh, 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 preach to like ethiopians or something like that um <laughs> so, so he, he's known to to, ha- to be like this 
insane kind of uh, spiritual director. But on the other hand, uh, uh, Jassy, the one who's uh, alleging these these uh, sexual infractions, um, she has, I'm, I'm told, a significant psychological problems in her own right that that kind of wound her her, her credibility. So, um, and, and this was certainly obviously left out in the church militant report um Mm -hmm. so on the other hand we can recognize okay there's there's at least circumstantially there there's 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 pieces of of evidence that could lead to certainly a possibility of 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 duverger overstepping his bounds as a spiritual director even perhaps motivated by uh, temptations to to elicit sexual details for his own pleasure you know that's certainly possible given what 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 we know about his invasiveness as as a confessor but i think it's it's wrong-headed to uh treat this as though it's a confirmed case because it's really not because as you have the 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 evidence of uh of 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 lack of credibility on the part of of jesse who is known to have psychological problems so Again, this is one of those issues where you have to look at it. You have to try to detach yourself as best you can from your ideological commitments, either for or against the SSPX. To look at well, what is really alleged here? What are the facts we have on the ground? Um, and try to 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 filter out uh, the nonsense a bit. Um, yeah. So, so that's Duverjay. Do you have anything to say about uh, Duverjay? I'll kind of be the chorus here, I guess, as as you go through these. It seems. Um, after having talked to our, uh, our source, who is not no one for the record, he's, yeah, he, yeah. he knows people in Catholic media. He's dealt with all this bullshit faction war, you know, drama, which has existed for as long as Catholics have been publishing newspapers and have been online and writing books. Right. Um, but he, after hearing what he says, the Duverger allegations, it's, it's very flimsy, you know? And to me, it, it just kind of like just just hauling out this woman who, you know, it just feels very flimsy and very much so just trying to um, make a spectacle. Yeah. You know, especially when you consider like there's much more troubling uh, individuals that are alleged to have committed wrongdoing which you'll get to, um, but they didn't cart out someone. They, they only carted out a a um, a person that was interviewed regarding two cases, and in the case of Duverger, it's just not very to me. After you know hearing from another perspective and um, just kind of doing more you know web searching about it, it's just not. It's very flimsy. It's not very convincing to me. Yeah, I mean, it just seems kind of try hard on their part, and this is that I, I feel like some of these cases that we'll get to have basis outside of the church militant report. Uh, this one doesn't really. And I think it's sort of just a, con- a contrived. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do respect to, you know, any Catholic priest. Um, everyone knows that when you say that phrase, you're about to say something negative. Um, <laughs> but um, the th- one thing you might be able to impute father Duverger, if you know him, if you've followed him and I've, I've heard of him before, you know, this is not the first time I've heard about his kind of, very very extreme spiritual direction he might be a little bit of a psycho you know um when it comes to that but and we'll get to like like maybe the, the kind of uh, culture that might uh 
Yeah, yeah, well, we can do that later. But anyway, I don't find it convincing. But there is yeah, yeah, I don't really find it. And also, I mean, if you look at the content of, of, of the allegation, it doesn't really rise to the level of criminality necessarily. I mean, and, and I mean, maybe something more concrete will be revealed about Duverger and Ali Crow, you know, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like we're not we're not trying to be conclusive here. We're we're not trying to be, like I said, like we're we're not ideological crusaders for or against the SSPX. I mean, I have my own theological opinions that aren't really that strong, you know. And I know Aaron has has his sort of theological uh, position on it. That again, I, I don't think is as strong as, as certainly a lot of people on twitter so it's not life uh, and death but anyway, it's really it really isn't go on but anyway um so so on the next one we have you have you know father uh kenneth novak who and by the way i'm not going in in the order of, of the documentary i mean it goes in a different order but um right uh, but but novak this is another issue where you wonder why is he in this expose like why did they put him in there? And I think he, I think they're they're trying to spotlight their own original investigations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do because uh, one wonders because when you watch this documentary, like these ones that we're talking about right now, uh, Novak and, and Duverger, you wonder, well, well, why is this in like a the high level like expose when near the end of the documentary they, they throw in these cases where like whoa this is actually like serious it involves molestation and it involves um uh cases that have basis outside of the the, the cmtv report uh and then it incriminates like people at, at, at the higher levels like filet and, and schmidtberger and, and others and those are kind of tagged in towards the end of the documentary so, like, i think they're just trying to spotlight their own originality right and, and po- poison the well signal which is which is obviously very very uh like commensurate with with uh Boris's personality but um yeah so so okay so we have Novak what is he 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 really really accused of doing I mean he's he's accused of I guess roughing up a young boy and we don't mean sexually here we mean like he, in sm- terms he smacked of- a kid accused of like assault yeah and and again like the source that we have confirmed to us that that novak certainly is an abrasive fellow that he has uh, he's not someone that you really want to talk back to because he's very combative and 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 he could kind of he could kind of picture this as as you know a plausible scenario but yeah but again you know it's like is that something you wanted the priest no is it something that belongs in 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 a in an expose on, on on perverts not exactly. Now, the more grave accusation, I guess you could say, is that he is uh, suspected. And, and this is where they don't really bring in any concrete evidence, per se. They they kind of just rely on more uh, rumors with, with, with this case, which is, I say once again, you know, wh- wh- why would you have cases, and we'll get to them in, in a minute here, that I think are much more legitimate. Like, why wouldn't you just highlight those? But anyway, um... So, with this allegation, Novak is accused to have um, seduced, broken up marriages Mm -hmm. for the purpose of isolating the wife from her husband, so that he can like have 
nightly, I guess, affairs with her or something. Well, the th- the thing is, is they never outright say that. It's only in the they, yeah, they never. I should say yeah, they they never explicitly, but they do use the words seduce. And so, <laughs> like, w- w- it it doesn't really take much imagination to figure out the implications. Come on, Gary. <laughs> but um. Come on, Gary Michael Vores. Yeah, <laughs> Gary the fairy. Um. So, so yeah, I mean, like. The, the core crux of this accusation is that, okay, he's breaking up marriages, uh, but you do have to ask, okay, well, is there more to this story? And our source tells us that, you know, there is. I mean, in many of these situations, the husband is being abusive physically to his wife. And, okay? or, or is an alcoholic or is, you know, yeah, has or has like drug abuse character flaws. And, and he said, and, you know, our source admitted to us that, you know, He's likely in many cases imprudent because uh, he's very, very, very adamant that if there's any sort of um, a hint of a father uh, acting inappropriately or or in a dysfunctional even, way, in his judgment of a bad dad or a bad husband, he will like be very uh, blunt and forthright and 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 disparaging of the dad in front of the kids and everything uh so you could say you know that's that's pretty imprudent i think that's imprudent i don't think like i think priests should, should uh, uh, not be that proactively involved in, in the affairs of families but nevertheless you know so he has intervened in in cases and has advocated you know separation uh and then after which has you know sort of given company to uh the wives now it is also important to recognize that within these kinds of sspx trad communities uh it is not uncommon at all for families to have priests over regularly yeah that that apparently i've I've heard of this before too independently um because i I mean it's kind of sort of maybe an attempt to revive like the nostalgia of of old uh, old catholic you know arrangements where look the, yeah the tradition in saint saint mary's is that um i guess there's 11 priests there and every sunday uh when the day's over uh, all 11 of them 11 of them go over to a different house every sunday to have dinner and you yeah. know it's it's a big deal which is kind of like an old school catholic you know social tradition which used to be much more prevalent before you know before you know probably more likely the 70s or 80s um but especially more prevalent before the council all over the western world you know like oh father's coming over for together everyone make sure that you're on your best behavior make something nice da, 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 da. and um so novak has you know participated in that and apparently in those dinners he can be kind of abrasive and the other story our, our source told us is <laughs> This is just kind. Of, there's some people in our audience that are going to think this is really awesome. I think this story is very cringe. Okay, you know what I'm about to talk about. I think so. Um, is um, Novak our so- father? Novak, our sources described him as being you know a machissimo man's man, rock climbing, gun shooting, you know, <laughs> Camino hiking, you know, uh, badass Catholic priest, but. I don't know if this was in the 90s or the early 2000s. But he basically managed to shame a bunch of the men in the St. Mary's, commun- Mary's Kansas SSPX community uh, 
to for having a TV because you know TVs are bad because of media and the, yeah the, the, the devil's box like yeah, yeah. If, if you watch SSPX sermons like you'll know that this is like a very frequent de, frequent. de, de rigueur SSPX talking points and I mean you know, of course yeah. of course there's something to it yeah there's truth to it but, obviously but, you but know. I mean there's there's extremes that are you know I've I've talked to you I'll get there but um. So, no, Father Novak shames a good number of the men for, you know, having a, a TV and, you know, having the devil box in the living room. And uh, he <laughs> manages to convince all of them to come out to the Kansas Prairie and set up their TVs in just a row and sh- start shooting, you know, target practice. And um, oh, beast. As, as, as I've said, oh, you know, uh, I know that some of our audience will think this is really based and red-pilled, but I just I just think it's a little cringe. It's not my thing. It, it, is, it is cringe. I mean, it's it's just, like, we I, were talking about this a couple days ago where <laughs> <laughs> so many cases, like, we, you look on, uh, on uh, you know... Our ex-Catholic. Reddit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you look at on, on Reddit, like, former Christian... Uh, Subreddits. Threads. And, and, and you see, this is very common where they often start off in, in, in these very uh, insulated uh, – in, in, with respect to the Catholic dimension of things, very insulated trad uh, atmospheres where the, the disciplinary measures and uh, – attempts to inculcate catholic culture in the home are are, are so extreme that and heavy-handed yeah and heavy-handed and just absurd as illustrated at this as, as novak uh debacle um that that it just ultimately once once they have exposure to people outside of the community they they just immediately they feel like a freak become like disenchanted from from whatever uh, uh, affinity they, they they might have had for for, for the faith yeah you know? and it because it's always they talk about how you know like, oh i wasn't even allowed to watch like a cartoon as like, like dragon ball z or something yeah and uh, you know and as a as a result and then they t- they'll talk or like you know cards were like a portal to to the demonic yeah and and then they'll talk about the ideological justifications which always come later which is tell yeah they always come later we we, we, they they never it's never like oh you know i i was at mass and then i just thought about you know well the trinity doesn't seem to make sense or or i heard the the priest talk about contraception and i realized he's a bigot Um, (laughs) no that's not what happens what it is is the a kid feels like an outcast and a weirdo and then by contrast of their quote-unquote normal friends but they they start to be like well maybe i don't like this this is heavy-handed i feel like a freak why is this so weird and i know that what people will be like well night night errant don't you always say night that uh normies are bad and it's like yeah i do but what being a normie and normal see are two different things, right? Like, like, because the thing about like They're two very different things. Yeah, and and so like a kid feeling like that they come from a strange cult, 
um, is is not a good thing. But I mean, back it it it, it leads to just bad. If you go too hard with this stuff, a kid will resent it, and his rebellion might go out of control. Um, if you do go too soft on this stuff, then you know the kid might go that way anyway. So it's it's a it's a balance, you know. Um, at, at the very least, there has to be like a level of continuity between uh, what goes on in the domestic church and the outside mm-hmm. world. There has to be. A, a a steady um it has to be like you know stepping stones and that 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 there's a continuity of familiarity between the the home and the outside or else you just the, the contrast is is just going to lead to all sorts of uh like psychological issues and you know a very likelihood of apostasy in my opinion in the world but not of the world i mean and it's like the early christians managed to do this yeah you know yeah. i mean um, but as far as Father Novak goes himself, um, I think he's just like an eccentric weirdo. He's not really, you know, just kind maybe kind of a a a, a, tri, a macho man, you know. Yeah. But not he. I I really doubt that he's you know seducing you know breaking up families and That's seducing. Incredibly unlikely, and there's really no like in in the report. There's really no evidence given for that. It's just like and and it just seems like a, a radically unnecessary just like speculation and, thing. And, and then I heard, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so there's there's a couple more, as you said. Yeah, right, right, right. And then we have the case of Father Anglais. Now, Father Anglais, um, <laughs> our source doesn't really know him. Uh, our source can't really offer much in the way of. Uh, uh, confirming or denying uh, a plausibility case here. Um, nevertheless, it, it, it shouldn't be pointed out that... Okay, so so what is the case? Um, the Father Anglais is alleged to have abused, sodomized um, a kid. Young man by the last name of Gonzalez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Young man by the by the last name of Gonzalez, um, and who has subsequently uh, committed suicide? Right. Yeah. Of, he had, allegedly because you know of this alleged incident being right. Um, the issue is that CMTV they did leave out the fact that as a teenager, Gonzalez was abusing his sister. Mm-hmm. And I guess as a justification for why he sort of pointed to the fact that, well, father does this, so I can do this to you. Which, uh, I mean, that's, did did this happen? Unclear. Is it possible that a kid would just make that up? It's, it, I mean, no. what did I just talk about with Cardinal Pell? Right, right, exactly. Now, as to Father Anglais, no, we should mention uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a, there's a case to be made for certainly you know a, a strangeness of character that 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 might uh, lead one to think okay like this guy's uh, the, the the state of mind of, of this guy uh, is certainly like maybe congruent with with uh, the allegation here and you know I know what you're about to say but before you say it. I'll just yeah. say I, I don't think that he's a rapist. I think he's just a, I think he's just a cringy edge lord. But you no, know, I, I I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree. Well, 
like he is known to have like outright explicit uh natsock nazi memorabilia in his house uh and now now that's the part that's recognized as you know factually true i mean the the allegation that kind of flows from this is that he like would invite kids over and and i guess gonzalez is one of these one, one of such kids um to uh, over for pizza and pop and you know like uh a uh, a fun afternoon of watching Triumph of the Will. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll edit in Hitler here so, saying something. Uh, um, yeah. Our our, well, our source said to so, so though that you know. Go ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead first. Well, our our source did <laughs> okay. say that um, um, you know that he knew someone who was in the Saint Mary's community at the time. That was like a star student who would mm. have very likely have been um, invited to this viewing of the Nazi propaganda film, uh, Triumph. Oh, but he wasn't. So that means so yeah. that does cast some doubt on it. Um, now, it is is the story itself that that Anglais did this at some time somewhere with some kids invited them to watch Nazi propaganda. Is it possible? Sure. I find it kind of plausible, even. I mean, given, uh, I mean, and I don't want to be like irrational about this, but I mean, the guy just gives off like intense bugman vibes. Yeah, the 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 thing, the the thing that he's actually accused for, substantively in the search militant expose, um not really plausible i i I really doubt i mean there's there's enough to cast doubt doubt there um Mm -hmm. but is this due and also the thing is is it's he went to to ireland um the accusation of ireland we don't really know much about so that kind of just stands there i can't talk we can't talk about that part of this problem is that you know it's one thing to talk about plausibility cases but but church militant is presenting these as if it's these are all clear-cut cases and and they're really not like they have elements of plausibility to them but they also have elements of implausibility to them which are very important to to recognize and and talk about openly and honestly we're not doing that at all which is why our source you know reached out to us to talk to us about this when you know when we told him that we were going to be doing you know in another podcast episode and that this would be one of the topics Church Militant, of course, didn't conclude all of these contextual details. Right, yeah. Not at all. Not and at all. The, the other part of it is, too, is that um, Culture Wars magazine did uh, stuff on the SSPX in the 90s. Um, in particular, uh, Father John Rizzo, who was interviewed very briefly in the expose, who is a fraternity of St. Peter priest, used to be part of the SSPX. Allegedly, Father Anglis's little neat sock m- militia ran him out of town allegedly <laughs> um, again this is did this happen i don't know it's such a ridiculous story that i kind of want to believe it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that this that this 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 kind of frog looking priest with his with his <laughs> trad catholic nazi militia <laughs> turned out to be a a, 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 a sodomite yeah but, but uh, well i mean no not that but just saying the story of the oh, right. yeah, yeah, alone yeah, itself. yeah oh. um but 
Um, everyone has known since the mid to early 90s, throughout the 90s, that Rizzo is a nat sock or a neat sock freak. So if that's the case and that these allegations of abuse would have been known at the time, then why wasn't mentioned in any of the Culture Wars articles about the SSPX? Yeah, that's that. That's an important detail because it would have been even more pertinent because it was before the Amoris, uh, um, the Latia Sententia, the de facto excommunication. And again, that's the weeds. I don't want to argue about that right now. But mm -hmm. th this time would have been before Benedict started to regularize the society's positions, which Francis has only further regularized. So, in the right. '90s, these allegations would have been devastating to the Absolutely. society. Yeah. So, so again, like with this one, it, it has, uh, you know, the, the fact that the boy did kill himself, I think that's a very important, you know, detail. Now, now it could just be that that's because he has... He was troubled. ...pre-existing, you know, grave psychological damage from his upbringing. Right. You know, so so there's, there's that factor that you got to keep in mind as well. Now, so those are kind of like the... Th three cases that I think are at the very at at most we, we should regard them as utterly inconclusive. Um agree. Now the next ones they, they get kind of uh and this is just plays to the other side of this where some of these like are do seem to be kind of damning not not exactly in a slam in the same slam dunk way as you know church militant would like to portray but but i think that the sspx does have some things to answer for with regard to some of these cases and so the first one we'll talk about briefly would be the simmerman issue now uh this guy goes by the name of, of james richard simmerman yeah oh, so i was gonna say this is a layman Right, yeah, yeah. It's, this should be just should be pointed out that this this is a parishioner, um, now, but also a pretty substantial SSPX uh, donor. Um, I think he's he's uh, given like upwards of uh, seven hundred thousand um, dollars to the society. So right. he pled. He did plead guilty to uh, ten counts of uh, third degree uh, sexual assault or, or sexual abuse. Uh, and four counts of second-degree sexual abuse uh, for several encounters with uh, two 16-year-old girls. Um, and uh, so the problem here is... Um, so this took place at, in 2007. Um, now, Father Lawrence Novak, who was the brother of Father Kenneth Novak, the... Uh, the the guy who you know shot the TVs right. <laughs> he um actually wrote a positive character witness for Simmerman Ken Kenneth Novak did no this would be Lawrence Novak L Lawrence Novak Ken Kenneth Novak is the the Saint Mary's Kenneth is the TV shooter right right gotcha gotcha yeah <laughs> um but no Father Lawrence he he wrote a uh, positive character witness and it's not as if he um denied the allegations he he actually uh regarded them as just a mistake that he made you know right and so when they're using that kind of language i mean it's, it's this seem this does seem a bit 
a scummy. And the the um one of the main aspects of the scandal is is that okay, so Zimmerman he actually settles for three million dollars with the family. Um, and later on in 2016, he is seen just sitting in the pews of of uh, SSBX Chapel at Father uh, Lawrence's church, right? Um, this would be uh, so. I actually don't have that information. Maybe you could edit that out. No, it's but. all good. it's all good. But um which shows that and someone wrote a which is this is where church militant gets their bombastic um title from is the uh i guess it was one of the was it one of the family members but some parishioner emailed the pastor of that chapel yeah very indignant about it yeah um and and essentially said you know why are you letting this 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 monster in the midst of our children yeah, it's, it's like at the very least they should have, you know, kept him in the corner somewhere, you know, out of view and just very closely watched. But it doesn't seem that that seemed to be that they did that. Right, right, right. So I mean, I think this is this is a case that I do think they have uh, something to answer for. Uh, Obviously, then, nothing criminal, but yeah, not on their part. No, I mean, no, no, nothing, nothing criminal on their part. And you know, it, it is a layman. I mean, this is a layman. It's not a priest that they had, you know, direct authority over in that sense. And so it's not really up to them to conduct the, the, the investigation per se. But I, I think I think it does show sort of like a grave uh, defect in uh, character that, that they would not have taken active measures to, to get him isolated from, from children. Um, okay, so so that that's Zimmerman, and that's an issue where I, I think there's, there's some... Uh, some answer for here. Now the other one, uh, this is a case with uh, a priest by the name of Father Pino, um, and he um, was actually found guilty within the uh, uh, internal investigation. This was kind of uh, 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 the Swedish TV network broke the story for this one, but uh, so he was. Uh, alleged to have um, continuously uh, molested and abused and ultimately raped uh, an 11-year-old uh, boy. Um, and he, he wrote a lengthy uh, testimony about it, and it's actually quite uh, graphic and uh, and uh, quite sickening. But he... So this was brought to the attention of... Uh, I think uh, Father Schmidberger and uh, Bishop Fillet, um, and they they didn't really uh, they they certainly dragged their feet on this. Uh, Schmidberger just moved him to a different parish, and Fillet uh, actually permitted him to ultimately lead a a boys' camp even after after these uh uh these internal in, in investigations and then this is uh, uh this this is kind of all on 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 record right uh, and then this was even uh, admitted on on a recording leaked uh f by father fluger 
it wasn't Lee Goodbye Father for the group, but but he's 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 in the recording saying that um, these allegations were known and 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 uh, there was initially going to be action taken, but Schmidberger uh, decided to uh, move him to the other parish, and then um, Filet didn't really do anything about it. Ultimately, what they did is they instructed him to uh, go to one of these monasteries out in uh, the French Alps. Um, uh, I think it's called Notre Dame de Montegarden um, for, you know, it, it as a, this is uh, sort of a classification of, of sentencing that they have uh, to, you know, prayer and penance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he refused to go. And then ultimately he decided to join the, uh, uh, SSPX resistance by uh, uh, <laughs> by Bishop Williamson, uh, who I'm sure many of you know about. That's um, that's that's as an aside. If you're kind of tuned in, because the thing is, is traditionalist Catholics, Latin Mass Catholics, um, there's probably at the most like what maybe 10 million of them worldwide, if that. So it's maybe more like a million. It's a small world, right? Yeah, and so if if you know anyone about like it's become a known fact, uh, and I think even you know that a lot of the the really freaky freaks and perverts are ending are jumping ship from different trad organizations, even instead of a contest, um, and going to Williamson's outfit. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but Schmidberger um, is the uh, current superior, district superior, uh, is the current superior general of the Society of St. Pius X, correct? Um, well, I think the, dis- the, the, well, the one who's succeeding Filet is Father David Pagliarani. Uh, okay, okay, so... Schmid, Schmidberger, oh right, I'm thinking about Schmidberger because he has a connection to Father Hess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, do you remember? What that connection is, just out of just for the sake of just factoids. Yeah, he um he he was sort of a mentor to Father Hess. The the man who red pilled him, so to speak. Uh, in a lot of ways, I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But uh, this this last case, what was this priest's name again? Yeah. Um. Now, in in this last case, um, this this doesn't pertain to a priest. Mm-hmm. This again pertains to a parishioner, mm-hmm. uh, by the name of uh, Peter Palmieri. Uh, so, yeah, the um, so how this how his wrongdoings kind of get uncovered is you have uh, a young man by the name of kyle white and kyle white wants to marry uh palmary's daughter uh and palmary has actually been abusing his own daughter uh so kyle goes to father todd angele uh, tells him about this stuff um and the priest ultimately i guess told him according to him that according to kyle rather that you know, if you go public with this, if you try to turn Palmieri in, you'd be committing a mortal sin of detraction. Um, and then he went to Novak, and uh, again, uh, Father Kenneth Novak, and, and Novak 
uh, he did tell him that, you know, uh, Palmieri should certainly be turned in. Uh, but I guess uh, Novak was was instructed uh, not to talk to Kyle. Um, and, and so uh, Palmieri was arrested, but in spite of the action, any action taken by uh, the FSBX. Right. Now, of course, we have to recognize, again, that, you know, Palmieri is a layman. He's not really under the direct authority. But again, I mean, it, it does kind of speak to uh, a, a profound weakness of character on, on the part of certainly Father Todd Angele. Right, and that there's, there is, um, I don't, it, it shouldn't be controversial. I mean, it, it, I can't wait for the backlash I get for saying this. Um, but it, it shouldn't be controversial that there are, in multi, not just the SSPX, but in multiple Catholic communities, oftentimes intentional communities, you know, kind of focused around the Latin Mass and tradition, that there yeah. are severe cultural issues of dysfunction. Yeah, I think one problem that, that, that I kind of want to bring up here is that, you know, we've gone over these cases. So, you know, and we've kind of gone over these, these abuse cases one by one, and we recognize, you know, the the grave fault on part of a church militants uh, reporting. There is a bit of yellow journalism here. I mean, I think we can acknowledge that. We know their biases and things like that. But we also talk about the cases that I think do have merit to them and, and whose uh, uh, the bases lie outside uh, of uh, church militants' proximate sphere of reporting, right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the, now, I think that one maybe structural problem in the SSPX that I think needs to be talked about with regard to perhaps uh, laying the the groundwork for a culture in which this kind of uh, uh, lack of judgment in uh, self-policing comes about. I I think it's partially due to the fact that it is um, severed from the ordinary uh, means of of jurisdiction on part of the 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 broader church, and it's it sort of serves as a microcosm of a problem that is in that broader church, which is the fact that due to the uh, separation of the church from the state over the past couple centuries, what you have is a a lack of harmony and a lack of uh, ready trust between the arms of the state and the church because of this lack of mutual trust because of this lack of uh, structural mutual communication and and cooperation uh, the church is left to police itself the church is left to um, deal with its own internal matters in a matter uh, disconnected from uh, the ordinary uh, civil uh, means of law enforcement. Uh, and with the SSPX, you sort of have a, a microcosm of this, and the problem becomes accentuated because you have even more insulation and isolation and self-policing because it's, 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 it's a bubble within uh, the broader church which already suffers from this structural problem. And, and it, uh, so I think this does lead to a, a a culture that leads to grave 
errors in, in judgment in that self-policing. And this is the case in, in, in just any sort of isolated and insulated uh, society or community. And, and once again, you know, admitting that this is an obvious hit piece, um, you know, Michael Voris is Captain Ahab and the SSPS yes. is his white whale. But recognizing that, um, and again, this is actually, I would say, even makes their piece even more weak and indicts Church Militant, is that they didn't actually uncover anything. Right, exactly. Anything actually that shows any sort of dysfunction in the society of St. Pius X has been known about. Uh, sometimes yeah. for years. These are the cases that are entirely outside of their actual original investigations. The, the, the ones that are their own original reporting, they're the ones that are the weakest. Yeah. Like not, not even just weak, but but like especially in, in the case of <laughs> Father Kenneth Novak, just like completely uh, uh, disharmonious with uh, the the scope of this whole investigation which is supposed to be looking into uh, sexual abuse pedophilia like there's nothing connected to pedophilia with with, with father kenneth novak no and and uh the or uber j for that matter exactly you know or or and or and the the uh, allegations yeah. against ramon father ramon angles is very 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 flimsy you know yeah um so the U.S. District of the Society of St. Pius X has responded, and mm-hmm. um, I will have a archive link to that response in our uh, show notes pastebin. Uh, but I thought that one thing would be worth reading, and it is that uh, you know they talk about how you know re- church militant repeatedly relies on hearsay, conjecture, and fact- factual misstatements. Blah blah blah, and this, but this is the most important, which is kind of damning, and actually kind of kind of owns Voris. You know, you know, it's like for an Emmy award-winning journalist, you should have done a better job, man. Um, and he says, for instance, it ele- it it being the the expose, it alleged that the U.S. District Superior Father Jorgen Wagner is scheduled to be transferred to Austria later this year, quote unquote. Far from the reach of criminal prosecutors. Not only has Father Wegner never been investigated, charged, or convicted of any criminal wrongdoing, but the United States has a mutual legal assistance treaties with both Austria and the European Union. Any transfer of clergy across borders, which is a routine practice of the society to carry out its worldwide apostolate, would not place them beyond the law, and church militant is wrong to insinuate otherwise. And that the transfer has that purpose. Father Wagner's six-year term as district superior ends in August, and his transfer has been foreseen for months before the pit piece saw the light of day. Yes, that is a very important detail, which is that, you know, while, like, for example, in the case of Father Peño, um, his transfer, I think, is pretty damning uh-huh. in terms of... Uh, on the part of Father Schmidberger, I, th- I think that this this was just sort of an attempt to to to, to move a a priest that that you know is guilty, which, and, which is kind of typical the bad practice of of bishops, you know, yeah, passing uh, 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 the buck, uh, uh, right, exactly. But it is also worthwhile to to recognize that the procedure of of, of transferring priests is uh, sort of just 
I mean, is, isn't it also, like, standard procedure in the Opus Dei? Yeah, and it, it, it's especially, like, the, the society makes the point here, which is that, you know, they're being very polite, but it's like, no idiot. Even if we had transferred them to avoid prosecutions, they could still very easily be extradited back to the United States from any European Union country or Austria. Yeah, so it really wouldn't do anything. It really wouldn't... Uh... It ultimately would just make them look bad. <laughs> right. Because it wouldn't affect what, what they want to affect. Yeah. And and the society admits that there has been cases of abuse and so on, but that um, then they, you know, they, they kind of defend themselves amiably here, but again, you know, notwithstanding the cultural dysfunction that I would, you know, have everyone just kind of be aware of and be cautious. I mean, the thing that... The main I, thing I don't like here... Mm-hmm. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, the thing I don't like here is that you can't really have this conversation uh, and at, at a in a sober and detached way with with a lot of people on you know Catholic Twitter, especially. Mm-hmm. It's it's so broken up into uh, ridiculous liturgical faction wars and, and and things like that. Where you know, just as an example, you know how we've been sort of going after what what we've called like the grifters and normie trads per se. Uh-huh. It like that was never that never had to do with you know what our position is on the SSPX and yet now what you have is uh people will line up on their ideological side you know whether they're pro SSPX or anti SSPX, and then on on that basis they just like throw at each other the accusation of grifter or normie trad. Right. And it's like no, oh, like NPC. That's that's not what that's not what this whole like uh, issue has been about. Yeah, normie trad is about not truly understanding why things are the way they are and yet furthering a kind of catholic content milieu which perpetuates this obliviousness and incompleteness and half-bakedness and one can be for or against the sspx and be guilty of this thoroughly yeah and and you know like if you took a look at like the two figureheads of this of of this like divide of Taylor Marshall and Timothy Gordon, I feel like their their uh, their divergence is is sort of illusory in the sense that this issue that they're arguing about is is kind of uh, like a smokescreen for the deeper commonality that they share, which is which is quite sinister if you're like uh if like like you said you're you're sort of aware of what's really going on which is that these are two people that pretty much go to bat for figures like michael knowles and figures like matt walsh who are like puppets of ben shapiro's media empire right and and, and it just goes to show that they're just essentially um the dinish uh, d'souza's of so-called traditional catholicism yeah like they're no different than like william f buckley who mm-hmm. would like he would have on malachi martin he would have on 
like people Michael to, Davies was like, on Michael firing line. Davies, yeah, exactly. To complain about like the Novus Ordo and John Paul II's pontificate and everything like that, and and like the satanic cabals and the Vatican and everything. Like they, they would talk about that stuff openly, but yet we all know whose master William F. Buckley really was. You know, he was just a he was a neocon, mm-hmm. and they 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 just become sort of useless idiots for institutional uh, agents that are properly speaking the church's enemies right yeah essentially being you know they're 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 shoring up the meme plex of you know conservative catholic fusionism you know um exactly yeah yeah they're, they're fusionists and 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 that's that that's a commonality that Gordon and Marshall both share, which is, which is much more important and, and, than this this like. And as always, when we bring up anyone, we're not trying to start shit. It's yeah. just kind of talking. This is just how we see it. Is is that this is a bad issue, and ultimately it hurts building up a you know a Catholic memeplex online and in real life um you know because it's you can see all like what's going on in the world where it's just like these kids like you remember this is related i think but you know did you watch any of like uh but did you watch any of the fuentes tiktok zoom stream where he was debating all those idiots yeah you can look at these kids and it's like if you don't have a sturdy truly catholic one might even say integralist or reactionary or whatever adjective if you don't have a, a robust catholic memeplex you're going to end up getting kids like what's this this lance kid in these tiktoks who's just like a yeah yeah, yeah lance videos and and and, and, and and nick they're they're going to be like the figureheads of of Catholicism and I, I for one you know I'm, I'm glad that you know uh, a Nick has been able to um, sort of uh, infiltrate you know the, the, the do, TikTok do some uh, signal jamming there and there's you know there, there's legitimate criticisms of Mr. Fuentes but that's not the main point the main point is is that like that cringe of these you know neocon zoomers of the Daily Wire, of Rod Dreher, and basic bitch Ross Douthat conservatism, which is not actually conservative, does not actually have its roots in any kind of profound Catholic intellectual tradition. That is essentially what is being shored up by the normie trads, and that includes Voris and Marshall and Gordon, and... I'm pretty sure before the year is over, several more figures. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's... That's just... That's life! Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think that kind of concludes what um, we were going to talk about there. And this will be a little bit longer of an episode, and um, we're going to be starting the the hard content next episode uh we're gonna have our our first major guest next episode uh 
and I'm still not sure which one's going to bite at the chance to be to be first, but um, <laughs> it's going to be our first major guest. And, you know, uh, just to, before, as we promised, as I promised, we're going to be getting into emails every couple episodes, but before, uh, I'll just kind of give some previews here. Uh, planning on having uh, Alex Forrest on at some point uh, to d- discuss with us um, why he's so obsessed with trains and the rural versus the urban. We're going to have our friend Gabriel Syme back on along with the nice meme friar to talk about Chesterton and the real Chesterton and how he's been kind of neutered and defanged and domesticated and what we can do about making him the uh, great Catholic fatso terror that he once was again. Uh, and then we're going to have uh, Professor T.A. Jackson, who's frankly one of my favorite Twitter accounts. I think Jackson's a really smart guy. Um, and he's going to talk to us about libido aftershock, the true and hidden consequences of the sexual revolution. You better get your boomers ready to listen to that one so that you can uh, subject them to your our own brand of MK Ultra torture so that they can yes. <laughs> understand the guilt that they bear for creating furries. Absolutely. But uh, that said, um, uh, we're going to end this episode with some emails. Oh boy! <laughs> I know that you're you're looking forward to this. I, the moment I said, in uh, was it episode zero or episode one that I said that for all of you people in the curious cat, I that ha, classical theist has been ignoring. I didn't realize they would take me that seriously. Oh, I did. <laughs> I take you seriously. So, um, I'm gonna read the first two. And uh, which are basically in the same category. And if you sent us an email with like seven questions, I apologize, but we're not going to be able to get it to this episode. We might spurse them into, you know, different episodes if I think the questions are interesting enough. But the most surefire way for us to answer, you know, your email and to address your comments, questions, concerns, criticisms, schizophrenic raisings is to keep it to one single subject in an email, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's the best way to do it. Okay, so uh, we have a couple of emails here. So uh, uh, Harold writes, and this is a question which you've uh, busted out the, uh, the Ludwig ought for, I believe. Um, Harold writes us. Yes. Since the only things about purgatory that are dogmatic is that souls undergo some sort of purgation after death, and that our prayers can help them, is it legitimate for a Catholic to hold that the sufferings in purgatory for most people are fairly okay and bearable, more like moderate discomforts, discomforts than suffering, really? Question mark. Signed, Harold. Yeah, well... As far as whether or not it's okay for a Catholic to hold that, um, I I wouldn't be comfortable with like the the uh, benignness with which you're you're expressing um, the nature of that you know punishment. It is supposed to be you know an intense uh, purgation of whatever spiritual uh, defects one has in order to account for the venial sins 
and even the you know moral sins that, that that you've committed throughout your life in order to you know and and that requires intense you know sacrificial charity charity is worked out principally through through sacrifice right and it's the perfection of charity in the soul which primarily is going to uh enable the soul to be properly disposed toward the beatific vision so i don't think we should shy away from the purgative punishments from being intense because their intensity the level of of, of sacrifice is what Mm -hmm. uh, primarily dispels defect and uh, vice. This is like a common Any remnants of vice. Common Matt Frad kind of. I, I don't know, but it's in that vein, in that kind of normie yeah. conservative milieu. But it's like if you are over three hundred pounds and overweight, you know, if you're like five foot four and three hundred pounds, and you've got to go to the gym to lose weight to be fit and to save your life. Is that going to be painless? Right. Absolutely not. Yeah, um, not at all. Uh, on this point, I do actually have something to contribute. Uh, is uh, there is a book which um, good uh, Twitter mutual of mine, Pinewood's Runner, cyclically recommends to people uh, by a uh, based Jesuit back when there were still based Jesuits, uh, Father uh, F. X. Schulp called purgatory explained uh with supplemental reading what will hell be like um you can get this on tan books and on amazon of course and it has a quite a bit of uh testimony from saint alphonsus saint margaret mary saint gertrude bridget of sweden uh the cure of the oz saint linwin uh and many more and basically the the witness of the saints up and down the centuries of the church basically shows that no it's 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 not gonna be a mild discomfort um yeah but that shouldn't give you anxiety because again like anything else it will be painful so another book i'd recommend is um garrick lagrange's uh life everlasting and the immensity of the soul yeah um now that's now difficult to get a hold of because uh, of publishing issues, but um, one of these days it'll it'll probably be easier to access. But that is, I think, one of the best, uh, I guess you could say, modern treatments of uh, four last things that I've read. So I've got another email in the same vein, which uh, I know you will answer, and then you will have a general thing to say about questions <laughs> like this and why yes. you let them languish in, languish in your curious cat, but here it is. What would our uh, good friend of the show, Wesley, writes? Uh, I don't even know the kid, but he wrote to us, so he's a friend. Uh, what would be the natural law position of erasing your memories of an enjoyable experience so that you could re-experience it and re-enjoy it for the first time again? Would that in some way frustrate the faculty of memory or the human end of remembering and knowing, or would this be non-problematic and not s sinful? Signed, Wesley. I mean, this, this is sort of this is some of the problem with, uh, you know, faculty-based natural law arguments. I mean, I, I support them. I use mm -hmm. them. They're good. But if you overthink it a bit, you think, well, is is any human process like a faculty per se? And, you know, not really. I mean, like, yes, the nature of memory is to recollect, but that's more just a, 
it, it it's more a, a process. It's not exactly a, a distinctive uh, faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just purely hypothetically, I mean, it's just like okay, weird, but you know, not not a sin. Mm-hmm. And I think if if you're if you're scrupulous about things like that, I, I don't know how where people got their got it in their heads that I'm like I'm supposed to be their like moral theology confessor. I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'll, I'll give my opinion on non interesting theological issues, but but if you're like concerned about the state of your soul, I, I would see a a confessor or like a spiritual director. Like I'm not not a priest, I'm not going to be a priest. So yeah, the you have to. It's it's one of those things is that you know you can allay your anxiety with basic stuff that you know God does in fact love you and just seek out. Seek out real spiritual advice if you, if things like this give you that much anxiety. You know, this question actually reminds me of Babylon Five. Um, <laughs> well, well, I mean, it, it, so Babylon Five is really bad because it has like it's it's a good series, but the po- the Catholic Church of that time has a its pope is a woman, which is really stupid. But uh, what's interesting is the Catholic Church in the Babylon Five series. One of the things they deal with the most is actually. Um, helping people who have had their memories wiped and basically turn homeless, like regain their memories. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's just that's just interesting. So, uh, uh, do we have another email, CT? Uh, yeah, this is from uh, Michael, mm-hmm. and he writes. Uh... <laughs> what is your assessment of the pope these days um sometimes i hear ct me uh criticizing him for catering too much to the secular culture but recently he has been complimenting him and calling him quote unquote <laughs> based so uh, how can i answer for 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 my crime of inconsistency here well uh you, you can hold to like opinions at the same time like and and by the way, you know when I call him based, it's just really just you know a meme. And it's like he was he was just recently he was you know calling out uh-huh. the users and you know naming the users and you know I thought that was kind of cool. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know he he usually is at his best when he's giving homilies. It should be pointed out, like Pope Francis, like he's he's usually he's not he's at his worst when he's he's like engaging in synods and on and, an airplane. You know, nonsense and on airplanes and things like that but when he's just giving straight shooter homiletic uh 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 spiritual insight like he's he's really not 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 that bad he's actually sometimes quite good Mm -hmm. Um, so i mean like you can basically i'm i'm against i'm against a mentality that is that is that is just like pope francis derangement but i'm also against the mentality to think no 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 actually he's he's like actually secretly like biased and based and red pilled in our guy um it's as you said i think last episode um we can walk and chew gum at the same time here people yeah it shouldn't be hard um so the next one he asks mm -hmm. um uh, how come you never see professional theism versus atheism debates anymore? They were big like a decade ago, but now these debates 
occur only over YouTube and such? Are there not good enough Catholic scholars able or interested in doing this kind of thing? Has the church decided such debates are just pointless? Well, I don't think it's decided that such debates are pointless, but I think there has been a grave uh, lack in the willingness for uh, established Catholic scholars and philosophers and apologists to engage in you know the public platform. It is unfortunate that it's kind of been that that void has been f filled uh, by people like William Lane Craig, who I don't think give the best account <laughs> of theism that could be given. I mean, he's coming from like a, a nominalistic, uh, analytic, ph philosophical bent, uh, theistic personalist bent, uh, which I, I think we, we should certainly fill that void as in terms of like established Catholic academics. I think Fazer, for example, should do debates. I don't understand why he doesn't do public debates. I think that'd be, I know that'd be why. good for him to do. But so, I mean, why is that? It's because his temper is actually kind of insane. I, I would, Yeah, well, I, I actually kind of think that would be... Uh, I think there's room for that. And for him um, to just yelling at, at Richard Dawkins, calling him a stupid... Yeah, idiot. just calling him a retard. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think that would, I think that would actually be a good, a good thing to well, happen. Uh, part of uh, also what the thing of it is, is that um, uh, atheism kind of had its big moment... And it's kind of over now. I mean, as far as like cultural atheism is concerned. Yeah, I mean, like, what you had a very prominent public uh, uh, critique against religion in like 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, and then it kind of went up into the early 2010s. But after that, it kind of fell off the wayside and it's been pretty much recognized even by like a lot of uh skeptics and and uh, uh leftist youtubers as just generally cringe yeah and, that... and try hard and and, and superficial yeah. and now what's kind of in its place are these like lesser known atheist youtubers like you got cosmic skeptic and you got apologia and you got like these uh Lesser known, as I said, uh, remarkably unimpressive uh, <laughs> figures who, uh, and and they're just chasing at, chasing after the same uh, ghost of of uh, Ken Ham's you know Bible Shack Club. It, you know, it, it's everyone is wishing that they could go back to the glory days of Christopher Hitchens owning Ross Douthat. You know. Yeah, and it's just not going to happen, and yeah. it hasn't happened, and uh, and, it, and I think that that is an opportunity for theistic scholars to classical theistic scholars to step in. You know, um, so I'll read the meme question before I get to the last serious one. Um, okay, but my friend uh, uh, on Twitter asked um, if Trump were coronated emperor, would it be at the National Cathedral or at the uh, at the uh, uh, Basilica of the Immaculate Conception? What are your thoughts on this? Um, I I think that we should stop LARPing. <laughs> Ouch! So mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, um, obviously. 
if Trump stayed Protestant, it would be at the National Cathedral because it's Episcopalian. Uh, but if he was Catholic, it would be at the Basilica. And it's a, a question as simple of, as that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, last one is uh, Aiden writes, <laughs> I don't know why I wasted so much time arguing with Morris Panay blog on Twitter. I just, I, I just felt like being mean. It, it was needed. I'm sorry. It was needed. I was. I just. I don't know. I. I, I don't know why. Well, this is an issue that we want to delve into later. Anyway, yeah. In detail. But let me let me read the. I'll read the email yeah. now. So Aiden writes to us, and thank you for your email, Aiden. Uh, in light of the Charles Cologne, air quotes, occult drama, what do you think in general of people trying to reconcile elements of esotericism, Kabbalah? Hermeticism, Neoplatonism, etc., with Catholicism. Are all attempts to do this inherently wrong? Have you heard of the book Meditations on the Tarot and von Balthasar's commentary on it? If so, what are your opinions? Thanks and God bless, Aiden. You know, this is the only email that signed it in like a polite way. <laughs> so that's why I saved Aiden's for last. I mean, you should email us. I'm sorry, we're kind of making fun, but. It's just kind of our style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the question, you know, is it inherently wrong to to uh, try to in- incorporate uh, elements of you know insight from you know uh, esoterica and uh, hermetic philosophy and things like that? Uh, no, no, uh, not at all. I think the the accusation against uh, Charles Coulomb that that he's somehow a mason because he has fruitful dialogues with um uh, sort of new agey with the, uh, with theosophists specifically uh, yeah yeah well, yeah with theosophists um i think the, the accusation that that he's being a mason because of that i think is just absurd uh, yeah. i just look at look at look in our own tradition uh, you have you have a very i think a healthy attitude modeled after saint thomas aquinas that looks into the insights of non-Catholic, non-Christian, pre-Christian uh, civilization and integrates them as, as best he can within the unity of the, the, the deposit of faith. Um, and, and, and with respect to Hermeticism in particular and uh, uh, Kabbalah, you obviously have to be extremely careful like you can't be uh you can't be unscrupulous but you don't want to be over, you don't want to be overly scrupulous but you also can't be unscrupulous about it you have to have a level head you have to know with certainty what the faith teaches and then try to look for commonalities for differences and integrate them with in harmony with with what you know to be true faith. I mean, this is what Ramon Lull did, yeah, uh, in, in in the 13th century. Uh, he's actually credited as as being sort of a a proto discoverer of uh, uh, computational theories, right? Um, which which were uh, instrumental in, in the development of uh, computing technologies, uh, and uh, he he engaged in a rigorous study of not only uh kabbalah but uh, uh hermetic philosophy and islam um, and this was in an attempt to 
convert the Jews and the Muslims. What he was doing was he was using these uh, insights to uh, craft uh, sort of uh, arguments across different uh, spectrums of, of a scientia of, of sciences and philosophy um, and through symbolism uh, and, and, and mathematics um, arguments for the Trinity and the incarnation uh, and, and use them as a way to convert uh, the Jews and the Muslims. So his motivation was pure and he was careful. Um, and, and I should also mention that Ramon Lowell was beatified by Pius the ninth. Yeah. He has a feast day and he is, yeah. you know, very, very, you know, uh, and even within like the Christian Renaissance, um, while we would certainly recognize that, you know, some of these figures likely, like, for example, John Pico della Marandola uh, was, was certainly, uh, uh, later in life he got a bit better, but earlier on he was uh, certainly uh, rebellious toward what we could say is, you know, Catholic orthodoxy. Nevertheless, many of these who became fascinated with the hermetic corpus, they weren't coming at it from a a standpoint of undermining the foundations of Christianity. They were really coming at it from, uh, from a, in some cases, an evangelical standpoint, yep. but also just an attempt to uh, integrate and synthesize and harmonize uh, ancient wisdom with the true faith. Yeah, and I, I mean the the thing about it is, is um, you know, I can speak to this and how true what you're saying is, is because this is what attracted me to, you know. Uh, what made me become Catholic was it was an unfortunate run-in with dark powers, uh, which is a pretty common ex-occult occultist story. Um, but you know, when I was a youth, I was um, interested and uh, involved in uh, ceremonial magic, and uh, from from a hermetic angle, um, I'm no expert by any means and i probably know more about that stuff now than i did then but um you know roger buck has a very good blog post which i'll link about the catholic mystery and about you know meditations on the terror which is a very good book and it's worth reading and it's it's not just the, it is a good book i mean it go ahead you know like we said you do have to be uh very careful uh, like uh, just just give you an example. This is the one that we've talked about before, um, where the author uh, talks about you know the Church of Peter versus the Church of John, <laughs> and that's very now, very easy to misinterpret. If, if you're reading that just from a uh, just a sort of a mainstream, not only mainstream but just a general Catholic lens, you're immediately going to think, okay, well he's talking about the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter and they have like maybe warring cults within the church and that uh, and then they're going to associate you know the church of peter with with the papacy and maybe the john is this like esoteric like hidden gnostic community or something well no uh, that's not you know what it's talking about you know he, he's talking about like, th these are aspects of the same one church right mm -hmm. uh, the church of peter we can speak of as a church in its 
institutional manifestation maybe it's uh it's exoteric sort of as it manifests to the world mm-hmm. the church of john as being that aspect of the church which remains uh in constant interior meditation of the deeper mysteries which the church uh which the one church contains in herself yes uh and that's that it's it's one of those things that if you don't take the time to understand and the other part of it is too is so many catholics just think this stuff is like ooh spoopy demons and so on um they you won't get it right away no like the, i i would not like i would not recommend just like picking up this book and reading it no you you should know your you know your basics catechesis stuff well, what you should do like if you're interested in reading you should first of all like read uh saint john of the cross and saint Teresa of avila because he the author quotes them quite a bit um and you should sort of have a cursory knowledge of of what tarot even is and you could speak about it really quickly because that that just the, the very name freaks people out yeah and it's it, it, let me let me read two because i have it right here let me read two paragraphs on this point to just kind of show you the benefits so the author of this book i, I know owen cyclops was saying that he wasn't but i've all evidence i've found has shown that he uh valentin tornberg who is an ex-theosophist uh, the, uh, um he did die a catholic Mm-hmm. and in the arms of the church and he wrote this book as a basically a love letter to his former occultist who to his occultist friends about no this is why the true mystery and the true you know fullness of esoterica is in the catholic church and so he writes about this he says you know he says you know without a doubt dear unknown friend that many and several of them are writers in France, Germany, England, and elsewhere, promulgate the doctrine of the so-called two churches, the Church of Peter and the Church of John, or of two epochs, the epoch of Peter and the epoch of John. You know also that this doctrine teaches the end, more or less at hand, of the Church of Peter, or above all, of the papacy, which is its visible symbol, and that the spirit of John, the disciple loved by the Master, meaning Christ, he who leaned on his breast and heard the beating of his heart will replace it. Um, in this way, it teaches that the exoteric Church of Peter will make way for the esoteric Church of John, which will be that of perfect freedom. He goes on, though. Now John, who submitted himself voluntarily to Peter as leader or prince of the apostles, did not become his successor after his death, although he outlived Peter by many years. The beloved disciple who listened to the beating of the master's heart was, is, and always will be the representative and guardian of this heart. And as such, he was not, is not, and never will be the leader, ox, head of the church. Because just as the heart is not called upon to replace the head, so is John not called upon to succeed Peter. And then he goes on and on. It's very, very, very... Very good. And he, you know, he goes on to... It, it is, especially, especially passages like that. And it's, it's, it's important, it's important to understand that, 
you know, Aloy uh, Weisinger, ab- who was an, who was a Cistercian abbot who resisted the Nazis, um, understood that he wrote a occult phenomenon in the light of theology, which is um, in on archive.org. It's in the public domain if you want to read it. Uh, I'll put a link there to the paste bin as well. Um, he understood that, you know, these ideas have to be engaged with. We have to look at occult phenomenon, things like seances and stuff, and not indulge in them necessarily, but uh, to um, understand what's going on because this genie of, you know, the theosophic New Age and occult tradition is out of the bottle, and if Catholics don't engage with it, have a response to it, Yes. Um, then you know we're not doing our job. Like, like it, it's one thing when this stuff is sort of buried deep under like the subculture of an of an ostensibly like Catholic civilization, and and you know you, you leave like Kabbalistic studies and things to like uh, established theologians and, and to, scholars at to, the to, church to sanctions. Dominicans in their forties. Yeah, but we don't have that now. So since this stuff is out in the open. Uh, for a Catholic who is informed in his faith, who is not, who who knows that, you know, studying the the the, the symbolism of, of of tarot, for example, is not akin to divination. And he's not going to partake in divination, but recognizing that these symbols long predate their 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 use for divination, which I think happened in what, what was it, the nineteenth century. Yeah, and you know what's interesting was that. Um... Uh, I was talking to Charles, actually, as a matter of fact, a couple of days ago. I haven't asked him to be on the podcast, but he he will be someday, I'm sure. Um, That uh, the woman who actually illustrated the tarot deck that's the most famous, the writer Waite tarot deck, um, her name was Pamela Coleman-Smith, and she... Uh, they, 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 her friends called her Pixie, but she converted to Catholicism. Yeah, you know, uh, and she. And this shouldn't be surprising, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the the whole point of like meditations on the tarot, for example, is to show that what they're looking for, the kind of esoteric hidden wisdom that they're looking for, is enshrined within the mysteries of the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. And that it takes someone who's schooled in these traditions to elucidate that from within, and to meet them on their own terms. So it, it's just, it's a form of evangelization. It, it it's just like uh, Paul speaking about the unknown God. I feel. Yeah, and the in the in the in the uh, or, um, in, in, in the Are, in the Areopagus. In the Areopagus, yeah. Um, and, and it's Charles will answer and defend himself from these frankly pissant, uh, narrow-minded midwits. Yes, uh, that is what they are. It, it, but you know, you know, I'll defend him for a minute. He was not participating in a reading. Every time he has visited the Theosophical Basant Lodge in Los Angeles. Um, he has always made it clear that the church is opposed to anything that um, is against free will and that you can't actually predict the future with tarot cards. And uh, the thing that's interesting about people that are trying to uh, predict the future with tarot cards is that divination is condemned, but what is specifically condemned is the trafficking in spirits. 
right? Um, uh, shuffling cards around in a deck are not going to reveal the future to you. I'm sorry. It's not. Right. Um, and Charles is always upfront about that whenever he goes to the Basant Lodge. Uh, and he has been accused, he told me, of men, and and you know, Doctor Hollinger, I think his name is the the, uh, the uh, theosophist who is the regular host of these these meetings and lectures at the Basant Lodge um, in L.A. Um, has gotten complaints from theosophists saying, "Why do you keep in inviting that bastard?" Columbus? He's obviously just a Catholic ideologue, and he's here to proselytize. And Charles says. You're right. Yep, that's what I'm here for. That's, I'm here to get you to convert to the end. You know, people are like, oh, why did he write for Gnosis? You know, this tantric sex magic. First of all, the vast majority of the content in Gnosis magazine, which was an old occultist magazine that ran in the 90s, uh, was not about sex magic. First of all, uh, I don't know how many articles about sex magic there were, but let me ask you this. George Weigel was an article we cited by the Catholic writer George Weigel. Was was published in the New York Post, which is one of the most lurid and oftentimes gross and banal and you know venial bad publications in the New York publishing scene. Okay, yeah, you can't impute people because of associations. No, Charles Colum does not endorse t- Hindu tantric sex magic. No, Charles Colum is not an occultist, and so he he's always trying to reach out to people to give the catholic esoteric and that's something we'll we've talked we're going to say we're doing a post and talk about in the coming days is that there is a very real catholic esoteric tradition absolutely you know and and that's something like like we were talking about with ramon lull and it it continues with like and you can even talk about just the mystics the carmelite mystics and you know practices like um uh, the the uh, the scripture rosary, you know, are actually very esoteric in their um, and by esoteric, what what do we mean by that? CT. Uh, well, well, maybe you could give your definition then. All. So what, what I mean, so what, so let me just give you what the dictionary says, and then I will riff on that. Um, so esoteric means just hidden and something that you have to be more initiated to understand now uh what is condemned by the church the gnostic heresy is the idea that gnosis can save you but that doesn't mean that in catholicism there aren't more hidden things that you can't go deeper right and and because with we should compare sort of the deposit of faith to uh, and this has been used oftentimes to discuss development of of, of doctrine over time. Mm-hmm. But I think it also has sort of a vertical meaning too, it, it, as well as a horizontal in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is that with within the uh, perhaps we could say um, the seed of the deposit of faith. Within that, there are several uh, layers of. Uh, of truth and insight and, and and wisdom which require meditative and contemplative uh, effort to uh, bring out to their full flourishing well and, and and also spiritual practice yeah spiritual practice as well because it's it's something that um oh gosh which saint said it but one of the saints numerous of the saints 
um, said that, you know, it's very difficult to achieve the salvation of your soul without mental prayer. Yes. That, I think that's St. Alphonsus. Yeah, I think it was. And now, um, I, go ahead. Yeah, and, and it's just very important to understand uh, that's principally what's meant by esoteric is that it's it Inner is hidden. it's hidden but it's but 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 it's not um but anybody can tap into it the church gives you the resources publicly uh to tap into it and, and that's that's kind of the thing that you know the that's what differentiates it from the gnostics yeah and but and that's the advantage i mean our friend Terillians talked about that is that not just in you know what you could call you know esotericism which is you know you could um dive really deeply into the pauline letters and see his platonism or into you know the joannine corpus corpus and you know delve into you know the, the the depths and the heights there um but you're not required to do that you know your exactly yeah. your grandmother who just hears the gospels every sundays can you know just as easily save her soul with just that you know um than you know saint thomas and albert magnus who did alchemy and understood proper astrology <laughs> exactly. you know yeah so and but, but you know, to someone who is intellectually inclined, to someone who is curious, to someone who uh, is disposed toward worshiping God through mental exercise, through contemplation, through meditative thinking, uh, it it can be fully worthwhile for your own spiritual spiritual life, so long as your intentions are in the right place and you stay within the boundaries of, of Catholic orthodoxy to uncover what some of these uh, deeper uh, seeds of wisdom are uh, deep within uh, the deposit of faith uh, and, and even borrow from traditions outside the church in order to aid yourself in uh, elucidating what those insights are. Which are properly the churches, yeah, and 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 the the bound of the bounds of Catholic Orthodoxy is not it's not meant to mean like the tyrannical information control of the church. It's the church's, you know, quest, and the church's quest and role as custodian to the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 beloved, which is the church, which. You know, could be even you know represented in a symbolic way as you know, uh, Hagi, holy wisdom, Hagia Sophia. Um, yes. The beloved learns more about the lover who is Christ, the more that she pursues him and loves him. So you know, it's it's not like the church is this because you know we've been dealing with. I don't even want to talk about certain people right now, but um, <laughs> uh, another podcast, perhaps. yeah. But um, but in a, in a in a in a in a nutshell, this is just narrow-minded people getting upset at Charles. But um, the capstone to this though is that if you have not, and this is the the trick, right? Is the problem is that you shouldn't is that people don't always heed what they're told. But if you don't have a basic understanding of your Plato and Aristotle, and of your basic catholic dogmatic theology and very basic catholic devotional stuff 
like the rosary or just engaging in daily prayer, don't read about this stuff. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, um, this is for people who have their foundations covered, but yet simply want to delve into maybe some, some deeper waters, but who are already equipped to do that. And I mean, I can speak from experience that the, 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 the originating incident that made me become a truly, you know, committed Catholic was because I tried a, you know, ritual circle to summon an archangel out of a hermetic manual and bad things happened. And that happened because I thought that I could do that because I didn't fully understand, one, why this was condemned, two, what was actually going on there, and three, what the church's, you know, more rightly ordered way of calling upon, you know, angelic powers for assistance, which is the cultivation of devotion and prayer, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that's, that's kind of the stuff that you have to be watch out for but i I would say i mean would you say that like a beginner could read meditations on the tarot or uh no i i would say that i think you should probably make sure that your your basics are fully covered before you move on to something like that yeah i i agree with that which is why you know uh well in the the coming episodes we're gonna we're gonna talk more about the basics um, mm-hmm. I, I think I'll close that, uh, very good email there, um, Mr. Aiden, and thank you for it, but I'll close answering this and saying that Raymond Lowell, which certain anti-Catholics will go, oh, he was condemned, look how this shows that your church is tyrannical and not dedicated. Donald Bruno liked him, so that means he's on our side. Which is not true, I mean, not true at all. Uh, Bruno liked him, but Bruno didn't understand him. And when the church suppressed the work of Raymond Lull, um, his patron, who would have been Philip IV, right, um, the, the king of Spain, did not mind because he said these things are meant for only the initiated anyway and should, right. should not be in the hands, you know. And But once again, we don't live in that time anymore. So... All you can do is justly caution people and tell them to have a firm foundation in your faith. Yeah, and I'll just close with this by saying, as we've said before, who is the one pope who is, besides Pius X maybe, who is most uh, most commonly associated with like rad tradism? Well, it's Pius the Ninth. Mm-hmm. And it's Pius the Ninth who beatifies him. Yeah, so, I mean that's that's a very important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, but um, I think that that does it for us. Uh, I thank you all for listening to us this evening or yep. morning or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, any cl- truly closing words, Mister Classical Theist? Uh, yeah, just you know, uh, keep a level head when you're perusing Catholic Twitter and and. And especially throughout these, you know, faction wars with you know, the SSPX versus uh, 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 Timothy Gordon and, and whatnot, just 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 make sure, especially when you're dealing with something like uh, sexual abuse cases, that you're you're not uh, you're not slanted by your your own ideological biases. I think that's probably the worst worst uh, uh, defect that you could have with respect to 
cases of the of of this gravity. Yeah, and and you shouldn't be you know giving a shit about this stuff until you've basically gotten your Baltimore Catechism down. Anyway, yeah. you know, in in any respect, but. Thank you once again, everyone, for joining us, and you can probably already hear that intro, outro music starting, And, but very sincerely, from the depths of our hearts, I want to say thank you for joining us in Taberna, and we'll see you again next time. Mm-hmm.